Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Welcome, and today is Thursday, October 10th. This is the Muni Lowdown. And today, instead of our usual uh, cast of, of reporters and, and analysts, we have a special guest today. We have Maria Chachian, who is the Associate Courts Editor for DebtWire. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. You wrote a very interesting, very well-done article about advisor fees in Puerto Rico. And I'm just going to give our audience a brief uh, background about it. It's um, a DebtWire investigation that was set out to explore the legal mechanics that allow advisors to charge Puerto Rico hundreds of millions of dollars in fees to reduce its approximately $70 billion debt load. Now, Maria, can you explain what DebtWire Investigation does? DebtWire Investigations is a rotating team of DebtWire reporters that pursue long-term, deeply researched stories that go beyond our daily coverage of credit markets and bankruptcies. These stories are usually very data-intensive. This is probably the third or fourth story the investigations team has done on Puerto Rico, but we've also covered coal miners and offshore drillers and, most recently, farm bankruptcies. Well, very interesting. Well, th- again, thank you for coming, and we'll go right into your article. Uh, just to a note for our listeners, the article is available on DebtWire.com. People are welcome to share and uh, distribute the article. Let's go to the origins, the genesis of it. How did you decide you want to learn more about this topic? A lot of news outlets had already written quite a bit about Puerto Rico's legal fees. I really wanted to explore the why and the how of them. You know, we know it costs a lot of money to go through a massive debt overhaul like this. Right. Why is that the way it works? So I wanted to look into the law that was passed in 2016 that allows Puerto Rico to address its debt load. And also, all of this information is public. You just have to spend some time analyzing a lot of invoices and other court documents to determine how these costs were um, amassed. And I also heard from a lot of firms about discounts that they said they were providing from their usual rates. Um, And I wanted to explore what exactly those discounts entailed. And obviously, you're talking about PROMESA in 2016, correct? Yes, yes. Okay, just for our listeners. Now, let's go over the... Let's do an overview of the key stats. We're talking about lots of numbers here, lots of big money. (laughs) Yes. Actually, through January 31st of this year, Puerto Rico has spent over $400 million on lawyers and other financial consultants, and that has surely grown since January 31st. And in fact, the Commonwealth has budgeted about $1.5 billion to spend on these costs through 2024. Um, and if you're looking for some comparison, Lehman Brothers, which filed for bankruptcy in 2008, spent $1.9 billion on its legal costs over the course of about four years. Some lawyers started the case charging average hourly rates of about $730, um, but you know, each year that rate grows a little bit. Some individual attorneys are nearing about $1,000 an hour in certain aspects of the case. Others, especially those that are actually based in Puerto Rico, are hovering more around $300 per hour. But other interesting factoids is that some of the paralegals at the big firms that are involved in this, some of them are charging as much, if not more, than some of the lawyers who are based in Puerto Rico. Wow. 
Now, let's go back for a second in terms of reference. You mentioned the Lehman bankruptcy, which is a corporate thing. What about in comparing Puerto Rico to another municipality like, let's say, Detroit? What's the cost comparison there? Sure. Uh, so before Puerto Rico, Detroit was the largest public debt situation of its kind, but it still pales in comparison to Puerto Rico. I believe Detroit had about $18 billion in debt when it filed for bankruptcy a few years ago, or I guess more than a few years ago, 2014, I think. Yes. And it spent maybe a year and a half in bankruptcy sorting out its debt. And it spent about $180 million total, I think, on lawyers and advisors. So as you can see, Puerto Rico even blows Detroit out of the water. Definitely. All right, so let's go back to your story. So something this gargantuan, how would you even begin to do a research on a project like this? So you start with court documents. <laughs> lots uh, of court documents, lot, I'm lots sure. Lots of court documents. <laughs> Every few months, each law firm or financial advisory firm that is whose fees are paid by Puerto Rico has to file an application for compensation with the court that is overseeing this whole debt restructuring. That's the court overseen by Judge Laura Taylor Swain. The firms have to include a lot of information with those applications, including the hours each lawyer or advisor worked and what type of work or tasks those hours were spent on, the hourly rates, and what exactly was accomplished overall in those months. The other types of court documents to look at are reports from a court-appointed fee examiner who analyzes all of the firms um, and all of their applications. And there are over 50 firms involved now whose fees are being paid by Puerto Rico. It's a lot of firms. So when you did research, I know you had to probably talk to people. Who did you speak to to gain contact in this slew of data? Again, fee examiners, uh, but mostly from other cases who were very generous with their time. Okay. Most large and complicated corporate bankruptcies get fee examiners. Toys R Us, Lehman, Caesars, they all had fee examiners. It was also important to speak to experts in public finance, as well as, you know, just restructuring lawyers who can talk about the nuances of a situation like this and why in their view, not hiring the best lawyers and consultants isn't even an option. I see. So let's look at the context in terms of the fee issue and how does it play into the whole Puerto Rico, the overall debt situation therein? Sure. Well, the main thing is that there is still potentially years to go before this situation is resolved, which means potentially years more of these costs to the Commonwealth. Right. I believe the governor said recently she would like to exit bankruptcy by next year, but I think that is Wishful thinking. a little overly optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> the Commonwealth itself recently unveiled the first draft of its right. debt adjustment plan, but that will presumably still have to go through several amendments before it gets the green light from the judge. And there's still a lot of ongoing litigation with various creditors and bondholders. And, you know, meanwhile, there's still hurricane-related costs and political turmoil. So there's still so much going on. And the longer these proceedings go on, the more fees are going to be racked up. Yeah, it seems like it's there's one on top of each other in Puerto Rico in terms of things going on. So, Maria, when you did this report and then this article, were there any hurdles that you had to overcome in terms of reporting or gathering information? Sure. I mean, collecting all of that data from all of these different firms was 
just a very long and tedious process. And then presenting that information in a clear and concise manner was a whole other thing. Um, But also getting people to talk definitively about this situation could be a little difficult. You know, it's you know, compensation is a sensitive subject sure. among lawyers and sure. advisors. <laughs> also, the fact that a lot of the firms had different met- methods of calculating fees and applying discounts made everything just a little more complicated. Okay, let's step back for a second. Um, again, to our listeners, I would encourage you to read the article. It's a well-done piece. But besides reading it, tell us your takeaway. Like, what are your thoughts on this whole fee structure in Puerto Rico? So to me, the most interesting takeaway here is that because PROMISA is based on longstanding U.S. bankruptcy law, the section that governs the advisor compensation is pretty similar. And PROMISA was, you know, written with the help of lawyers. And PROMISA basically allows some wiggle room for lawyers to make reasonable mean what they want it to mean. And by that, I mean the law requires the compensation that lawyers and advisors charge to be reasonable and necessary. This section of PROMISA has some general requirements. It says the court must consider the nature, extent, and value of the services provided, take into account the time spent, rate charge, necessity of those services, skill level of the advisor, and whether the compensation is in line with comparable cases. So there is some guidance, but at a certain point, there's only so much the examiner or the judge can do because the compensation terms are negotiated privately between the advisors in Puerto Rico before the judge and the examiner become involved. Uh, The other interesting takeaway to me was that, you know, many of these firms are, in fact, offering discounts. They're usually anywhere from 5% to 20% of their typical rates. A top lawyer, sometimes they're more, a top lawyer that would normally charge over $1,000 an hour in a corporate bankruptcy may only be charging $700 per hour here, and yet $700 for one hour for one lawyer is still a lot of money. (laughs) It is. So while it's great that there are some discounts being applied here, you know, the Commonwealth has already paid more than $400 million dollars. And it's only growing. And just imagine where we'd be if there weren't discounts. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like more like a trim instead of a discount, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's uh, a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. And like you said, reasonable. That's a very vague word, too. And you had lawyers drafted up, so imagine exactly. what they're thinking. So. <laughs> uh, just a few more questions. If people, how like our listeners, how can our listeners who are interested on, obviously a lot of people are in Puerto Rico, how can they stay up to date on this topic? The Examiner reports, they're great. Uh, the Examiner is a man named Brady Williamson. He's a lawyer at Godfrey Kahn. Every few months, he puts out a comprehensive report on the last round of fee applications. He makes some pretty blunt observations about overstaffing and duplicative efforts and lack of evidence to back up certain charges. This is a really good way of staying on top of this particular aspect of Puerto Rico's restructuring. Now let's talk about this uh, Brady Williamson. I think he works for a law firm called Godfrey & Kahn. You mentioned him in the article. I think based on your research, I think in looking at the article, there's, as a fee examiner, there's no precedence in terms of a chapter nine, in terms of what he's doing. His role is, there's no template, there's been no something to base it on. Tell me a little bit more about him in terms of your research. What did you find out? 
Right. So while there have been Chapter 9 fee examiners, like in Detroit, mm-hmm. um, Puerto Rico isn't technically Chapter 9. And as we said earlier, you know, the largest situation before was Detroit, and that's right. nothing like Puerto Rico. Right. Brady Williamson laid out in his very first examiner report kind of the roadmap he was going to use to approach this task. And he himself, by the way, has been a fee examiner in some of the biggest corporate bankruptcies ever, including Lehman and GM. Mm -hmm. Um, But he acknowledged up front that Puerto Rico's case is unique. And so in figuring out how, how he was going to approach this, he relied on guidelines from the federal agency that oversees Chapter 11 bankruptcies, which is called the U.S. Trustee's Office. And he also relied on old cases that have nothing to do with Puerto Rico or debt restructurings, but specifically address compensation and reasonable compensation for lawyers. Um, So he's basically having to do what he can to keep these costs under control in Puerto Rico with fairly limited resources. The other thing, one of his resources, is that he can, if he wants, file a formal objection to any of the fees that are charged. But to date, he has not yet. He has said that he, in his reports, he has said that he prefers to handle these things privately to negotiate with the firms, you know, off the record and see if an agreement can be reached. And that is his preferred way of going about um, charges that he thinks may be unreasonable. And you state in your article that let's say if he were to bring up a formal complaint, then it's basically a vicious cycle of, well, more fees involved to fight to bring up. So (laughs) it seems like it'll never end. Exactly. Okay. I think I might have one last question for you or sort of a lasting question with different uh, components. What's next overall for Puerto Rico's title theory structuring in terms of what's going to go on and what's like, I think there's a big case coming up next week uh, with the U.S. Supreme Court. Can you tell us what's going on there as well? Sure. Well, first, in general, the main thing Puerto Rico has to focus on right now, or its lawyers have to focus on right now, is getting creditor support for this debt adjustment plan. Um, So that is just generally hanging over everybody's heads. But next week, there will be arguments in the Supreme Court about the constitutionality of the Financial Management and Oversight Board, which is the the group that was basically tasked with overseeing this whole process. Some bondholders have said that members of the board were not appointed in compliance with the Constitution's appointments clause, and therefore the validity of all the decisions they've made since May 2017, when this process began, are in question. The issue boils down to whether those board members are federal officials, in which case they would need to be nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate, or if they're territorial officials, in which case they would not have to meet those requirements. So the Supreme Court has to decide first whether those members were, in fact, appointed in violation of the Constitution, and secondly, if they were, whether the board's decisions over the past couple of years need to be overturned, which seems unlikely because that would cause absolute chaos, but we'll see where the the justices land. And again, just keep in mind, all of this litigation still costs fees to Puerto Rico. (laughs) (laughs) So the uh, the tab is still running. Of course. (laughs) Okay. And I believe you'll be at the Supreme Court next week, Yes, I will be there. I'm very excited. (laughs) Have you been there before? I have. I went once before for a much smaller bankruptcy (laughs) dispute. This is a little more high profile. (laughs) Thank you, Maria. We look forward to your coverage next week at the Supreme Court. Uh, Thank you to Anthony Phillips, our producer, and most of all, thank you to our listeners. Please log on to investigations.debtwire.com 
to uh, read Maria's story. Again, thanks again for your time, and have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Muni Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.